Hey everybody, welcome to So Fast, So Furious, the ultimate Fast and Furious podcast. Dominic Toretto lives his life a quarter mile at a time, so we're watching the Fast and Furious movies a quarter hour at a time. I'm Zach Bassetta, and I'm here as always with Vito. Hey everybody. And Anthony. Hello. <laughs> How's don't it going? Sound, don't sound so enthusiastic, Anthony. No, I am enthusiastic. I'm excited. Be sad that uh, we've wrapped up the first film, I think. There were tears in your eyes as we watched that last section. Oh, oh yeah. You were weeping. The acting was was fantastic, and I'm not even joking. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. And uh, we also have with us uh, Matt Kyle. Thanks for coming with us. Uh, He is the producer and co-creator of X-Play, which I which I watched a ton of, and also the co-host of Gameface on Sifted.net. How's it going, Mike? Good. Thanks for having me on. I just called you Mike. That's eh, fine. I'm holding a mic. So yeah, me too. That's why I was like, <laughs> I got you. you got temporarily confused. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> so you are a fan of these films, I, I understand. I am. Yeah. Uh, from from kind of way back, I saw the first one in theaters. Wow. And uh, then I did not see another one in theaters until I think five. Um, and then I was like, wow, what happened? Like, this is great. I got to go back. And, and I watched them. Like, it turns out they, they weren't great, really, until <laughs> five. But I still appreciate the series as um, what I would consider the first uh, superhero cinematic universe. Absolutely. Because that is a... what they are, especially after five. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I would argue that after five, uh, when they really focus on the family stuff, mm-hmm. uh, if you're going to reboot the X-Men, look at those movies real hard. Because that's Makes what sense. the X-Men should be. So what what brought you back the just the fact that they had made it up to five the fact that like the people I knew who, whose movie opinions I trusted were like dude you have to go see Fast Five and I'm like fat really like you're telling me they're like it's like the best action movie of the century so far wow. and I was like okay and so better I went, than hard boiled hard <laughs> come on <laughs> the John Woo classic that with was Yun that was the last century that's true okay you're right. They, they, the twenty first century was like eight years old at the we time. We are very so. accurate on the so <laughs> yeah, fast, so furious. That's podcast. true, and I think that has been. I would agree, have agreed at the time that like Fast Five was probably the best action movie of the century, but I think has been surpassed by Max, Mad Max: Fury Road. I would tend to um, agree. For but, a second there, I thought you were going to say Max Payne. No, I was like <laughs> what? <laughs> say hello to your mother for me. <laughs> hey, goat. I love that bullet skit. time goat. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so and I saw it and I was like, oh wow, this is amazing, and I should go back and see who all these characters are. And I did, and it wasn't amazing really, but like, it's worth it. It all ties together, and I love how they bring back characters from like three movies ago for like one scene, and like it's it's it's, it's the continuity porn is real. It is great. One of the strange things for me though is I I'm, I'm the same way. Like I I kept trying to convince people. I'm like, you don't understand. They do these curly cues with time and they do all these like callbacks and all the stuff that that people didn't think worked in the earlier movies they make work later by bringing it up and then fixing it and it's like mm-hmm. it's it's this amazing achievement and 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 I'm a total film snob like I own half the Criterion collection and I you know I'm always like fuck Adam Sandler you know like I <laughs> but I love Except these punch movies drunk, punch drunk no I, I I think Adam Sandler's awesome it's just that you know I'm I have I have what would be considered more highbrow tastes in movies but I love these films and I preach them to anyone who will listen because they know they're dumb and they Mm -hmm. revel in it that's you know you watch some movies and they're stupid and you're like they didn't know they were dumb and so it's not as fun but i don't know that the first one i mean i think that the first one it was going more for this like uh you know teenage crowd but like oh yeah it takes itself very seriously yeah serious filmmaking in that first movie but i would also argue that um 
even when they know they're dumb, they mean it. They mean what they say. Like, like the, the they're ridiculous and crazy, but like they really mean it when those movies say that family is the most important well, that's thing. Exactly and like, it, the, because like the Dom is dedicated to Mia and are Je- like, yeah, yeah. You even see it in what we just watched, where like, you know, Dom isn't going back for revenge for any other reason except uh, his friend Jesse might get killed because of what he did and he doesn't want that to happen like that's that's his whole motivation is this surrogate family he's constructed and considering that mm-hmm. one of the big themes of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and a lot of the current big blockbusters is choosing your own family because mm-hmm. your your given family is a bunch of assholes um <laughs> Like, I think this series is ahead of its time, frankly. I think it, it set a tone for, like, tentpole filmmaking for the centuries. Of yeah, life. and and I gotta say, um, so me and Matt, uh, we, we met through uh, Chris Gore, mm-hmm. and we've done a, a few panels together, and Chris Gore assigned me to, um, to watch the eighth movie, go to screening of it, and I, had, I, I hated him for it. I was just like, <laughs> I, I've spent my entire life avoiding these movies just based on the trailers and based on what people tell me about it. And, um, so I, I go with Matt and we're doing a podcast and he's explaining like the lore and like all the things that he loves. And I was like, I, maybe I should check these out. Like <laughs> for the first time in my life, I was like interested and I wanted to see the movies. And I remember I went to target like probably a couple of days after we saw the movie and I saw like the collection, the, the one you actually have over there. And I was just like, mm, okay, you know, checked my bank account, and I was like, all right, walk over there, see the price. It was like twenty nine ninety nine. I was like, nope. <laughs> oh, that was two thirty no, bucks. Was, was out of your range? Movies, man. You got eight movies you for twenty, 30 you bucks. Twenty nine ninety nine for like the new Avengers movie when it comes yeah. out. You oh yeah, I mean? yeah, four K and everything. It's hilarious. <laughs> Well, no, but I, I do have to bring something yep. else up, though, is is that idea of family. If you look at a lot of the BTS stuff and the things that, that you see, you know, Vin Diesel's like a social media, you know, whore, essentially. <laughs> and I mean that in a positive <laughs> sure. way. But, but, but like, you can tell that is a really tight-knit group of people. Really? Well, they except for love Tyrese and The Rock. No, they've patched it up. Oh, they have? I've yeah, heard yeah. some stuff yeah. about The Rock, you know, that that is, I don't know. We'll get into that when we get into the movies. Yeah, with the he's, Rock a, he's a couple movies away. Yeah, he's, he's great and terrible at the same time. Like all, yeah. Like I, all I still think there's tension there in the sense that like they were big, but it was when the Rock showed up that they became astronomically big. Yeah, yeah. You and I think that. there's. I think if you're Vin Diesel, maybe you're sort of like, hey, this is my thing, and like, yep. yeah, maybe you blew it up, but I'm the one who thought to bring you in, kind of. Like, yeah. And like, you, I, I, I don't think those guys are big egos, like you know, in terms of like kind of Hollywood scale egos. But I feel like maybe there's a little bit of disagreement over who's the most important. Piece that is know? definitely a possibility. Well, something I heard, and, and and maybe you guys can confirm or deny. Uh, both The Rock and Vin Diesel have it in their contract where they can't lose a fight in the movies. <laughs> uh, have you guys heard that? I have heard yeah. this. Yes. Yeah. If if that's true, that's super boring. Like, so they fight to. Well, a that's why they still. they try to work in clever, stupid ways to. Yeah. And realize it's an oxymoron, but that's kind of what they are. Yeah. I mean, if in eight, like. Ha, uh, the Rock kind of loses a fight, but like the 
the thing is like you he he never acts like he loses the fight and like right. even when he does get beat up like in 7 I mean he's got a broken collarbone in that movie and at the end he just gets up and flexes and breaks his cast off and picks up a minigun and it's like I mean these guys are superheroes it's, it's like yeah. as soon as you it, it, just think of the cars as iron man armor and you're basically there like they're and they're invincible well, for about 10 seconds after they get out of the car it's as a, well. it is it is definitely a heightened universe in terms of reality <laughs> versus anything else well one yeah. thing we we laughed about on the podcast was the rock gets shot it does not phase him at all in no. the well film. we have several films to go before we yeah. get to yeah, the yeah. rock yeah yeah and yeah. uh before we recorded we did watch the very last 10 minutes really of uh the first film fast and the furious which is comprised of essentially three sections um which i found interesting um so at this point everything's out in the open brian's revealed himself to be a cop to mia and dom and jesse's out there somewhere tweaking out we don't know where he is <laughs> he's shooting a heroin on a i would imagine so meth i thought maybe he was yeah. more of a meth guy and this is after he he runs away from losing yes. at race wars yes yeah. he loses in, to in johnny that, Tran. that highly comical shot of him in the distance going <laughs> and then turning left <laughs> and, just, and he goes out of frame and they're like where the fuck is he going uh, i don't know look Left, it's a salt flat. Like you know, exactly. I know he drove into the Salton Sea and was never seen. Also, a hundred miles to Los Angeles. And also, yeah. like if the problem is that his car wasn't fast enough to win the race, clearly you can catch him. <laughs> That's also true. Where's he going? <laughs> He's out of Nas. Um, so uh, the, you can go straight to chapter seventeen for this last ten minutes, and we open up at Dom's house where. Brian drives up to Dom and blocks his driveway so he can't get out. And it's a, it's essentially a more explicit version of the scene we saw played out in facial expressions, mm. you know, when they were coming to get Vince. Well, but the, the important thing to point out here is that he blocks Dom from bringing out his that his dad's car. Right. Like, it's serious. Like, he has pulled out his father's, you know, badass. Which he has never driven before. Yeah, muscle car. And he's ready to fucking go. He's got a shotgun. Covered in Vince's know. blood. Yeah, he's covered in blood. And, like, he has the balls to block him and say, like, don't, don't move and pulls a gun on him. Yeah. Which is pretty ballsy. And the thing I like about the scene is, is Dom starts out yelling, move your car! Like, yelling, screaming it. And as, you know basically Brian belligerently ignores him and, you know, holds the gun on him, he gets more direct, like more like, you know. I love that too. He yeah. starts to reason with him, almost like, hey, we are friends in a, in a way. I I Did didn't get that, that at all. Yeah. yeah, I got it to where it's like, if you don't move the car, I'm going to kill you. Like very direct. Like Interesting. You, uh, you kind he of, does start out that aggressive, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I mean, I, I've dealt with people who, you know, not at me, but are directing their anger at somebody. Mm-hmm. And it goes from, you know, like screaming and then it just goes, move your car, you know, like move your car now. It's and not Vin a Diesel request. has that like yeah. preternaturally bass well, voice that mm-hmm. like, That's awesome. he, he can do that. Oh, know? it was yeah. frightening. I yeah. wouldn't move my car. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'd be like, whatever you want, sir. Excuse yeah. me, I will get into my car and back up for you. Have a great life, Dom. <laughs> Would you like me to wash your car before? <laughs> Well, because I think that Dom is more worried about Jesse than anything. And then mm-hmm. the fact that Brian and him do have that sort of history together, I took it more as like he comes out there and he's like, you know, you're the cop and he's yelling at him and all that stuff. And then he's like, Brian, move your car. Like, I'm telling you as a, I don't know, maybe it could be a different sort of yeah, reason. I, also, I could get that. Like, he, like he, he knows that Brian understands this. But Brian has right. that. He's basically like, you need to get beyond your duty to your job and understand that this is my duty to my family. And that takes precedence over whatever kind of justice you think exists in your head because 
Dominic Toretto's justice is the highest justice in the in the universe in the mm-hmm. Fast and the Furious films. Like he is always right, no matter what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, well, because he does have that sort of noble aspect to him, you know, sort of a Robin Hood in a yeah. way. Well, I mean, sometimes he's wrong, like from an objective point of view. But in the f- universe of the film, he's still right because he's Dom. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is he's, kind he's of almost one of the, like yeah. that samurai character, the the samurai who goes against the social norms because the code of Bushido demands it. Like, right. They follow the code no matter if it means going up against the government. It it goes up against even your own family. He follows his code to the end. Mm -hmm. So he's he's very much like a samurai in that aspect. Absolutely. And uh, Mia comes out to yell at them from the porch for Dom to stop. She's freaking out. Poor broken-hearted Mia at this point. Exactly. She's like screaming and her face is just full of tears and... You could, you could. The, the the amazing thing about her performance here is that, like, you you feel that she's like this twenty year old girl who fell head over heels in love with like this golden boy and found out that he's a cop, and she's just devastated. You know what I mean? She's screaming, "It's fucking over!" Just not only out. not only that he was a cop, but that maybe he was really only there for Dom anyway, yeah, and that yeah, their relationship was never real. Yeah. Which is also interesting because like I pointed out, this is the last time in the movie, this scene that we see Mia and there's not any real closure with her and Brian in this film. No. Like imagine if this was the only fast and the furious movie. Yeah, like, exactly. It, like there, you could not make it more clear from the filmmaking perspective that the Brian Mia relationship is not the important relationship. In yes. This film. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, she's going to end up in rehab for like an eating disorder, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Poor do you, thing. Do you want to see more Mia, Anthony? You know, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in how they meet up with, with Brian later on and how okay. he kind of reenters their life, what their attitude towards him is, and uh, how he patches things up with Mia. Yeah, because there, there is a finality. Yeah. You almost get the mm-hmm. sense they did not expect this to have a well, sort of, because we get the tag, which we'll talk about. But like, yeah. there's, excuse me, there's a sense that this is the end of their story. Like it's over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, it's going to come down to this crazy, you know, race that's coming up and stuff. And that's the end of their their time together. Essentially, the bromance is about to end. Yes. Uh, and so Dom is about it. Dom ignores Mia and he's about to tell Brian to move his car again when Jesse suddenly shows up in his white Jetta out of nowhere, <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> of course, he's freaking out and scared. And Dom drops his shotgun uh, and Dom drops his shotgun now that he knows his friend is safe, which I thought was interesting. Again, sort of reinforcing that his main priority is his mm-hmm. friend because he doesn't need the weapon anymore. He doesn't want to shoot Brian. I of mean, come not. on, you know? Yeah. yeah. And just then a couple of and. I didn't know that this was Johnny and Lance. How many up. times have you seen this movie? Four. Really? Well, I'm, they not, don't, I'm not trying to shit no, on no, you no, here. It's, it's just it's weird to me that you didn't realize who it was. But are you? But they never say, "Oh, it's Johnny and Lance." I mean, you're just oh, going you, based there, on like a, their physicality. There's like these like double close-ups though of them going by, and mm-hmm. you very. I, I, I it's funny because Rick Yoon has Stan Sakai eyebrows. If you've ever read uh, <laughs> Usagi Yojimbo, like he always draws these like really stern policemen with these big, thick Groucho Marx eyebrows, and he he has those very distinctive eyebrows as it goes by. Yes, yes. So yeah, I, I was like, oh, here comes Johnny for his fucking car. I did assume that it was because of the eyes, but I wasn't absolutely certain until. Well, you know, you, who else would it be? Well, here's, I mean, one of his yeah. here's, here's another thing that I've never understood about, about villains in movies. The mafia, you know, if you don't pay us back, we're going to kill you. It's like, but if you kill me, A, you don't get your money, and B, like, what is it really? I mean, you figure they'd want to find a way around it. He's mm-hmm. like, 
Okay, so Jesse took off with the car. They come scooting down the street. Jesse's there with the car. Instead of stopping and going, hey, this is my car, they shoot at him. I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's all they car. want is yeah. just the car. What is, what exactly. is the point? The what is the point of revenge. their motivation? Yeah. Well, but also, again, it kind of is that juxtaposition between the way Johnny operates and the way Dom does, mm. where, you know, Dom isn't a killer. Are you but, saying that they represent ego and id? Is, are we going to go I that deep? So. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty a little crazy. yin and yang, you might say. Yeah, yeah, because they start, they just start like firing wildly into the crowd. You yeah, know? and it's mm. only because they're, they're, it's only because Dom and, and uh, Brian were able to jump out of the way that they didn't get shot because they it. have nas sense. They do, they do, because <laughs> they because they hear him. They know he's coming before we even hear it. You're yeah. right. You're right because there's that shot. It, yeah. It's Both like a push turn. in on Dom, and you hear this like. <laughs> And he yeah. turns. It's the same sound as when Nas is activated. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> they should have done like a graphic in their mind of their synapses firing. <laughs> yeah, just like the uh, engine. His brain has a finger that pushes. <laughs> Light bulb like, goes you, up yeah, above their head. You just follow the like little lightning down through a like, thing that just pulls out of his mouth. Get down! <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what I that's the deleted scene I want to see. Uh, so Mia ducks for cover. Dom rushes to Jesse, and Brian is a terrible shot, dude. There, there's but think about like he. There's something that I've noticed in watching this is as those guys are shooting, everybody gets down. Dom literally is just like I'm gonna run through. He runs through the crossfire essentially to, his friend, yeah. to get to his buddy, which shows his dedication again to Jesse yeah. is that these bullets are literally flying around him and he runs in the direction he's running Towards the same the direction that the that the that the motorcycles are going mm-hmm. so essentially he's keeping himself in the range of fire as he's running to get his buddy so totally. that that's a pretty amazing shot and Jesse being the only one of the three who doesn't have nas sense right? <laughs> does not duck like he just stands so there and gets hit out. I'm convinced he that he is notice. high the entire film the character Dude, you hear the motorcycles coming there's the moments where they catch each other's eyes and he's still and everybody moves and he's like what bro I'm so sorry I don't know he even says I don't even know what's happening man I'm out of my mind bro ah with his like black fingernails and his yeah. like stereotypical tweaker behavior. Totally. Yeah, he's hilarious. Oh, I love he, it. Let's face it. He's one of those characters that when you're writing a movie, he has to die. He's so yes. inept. Someone needs you to be wonder how the hell he got into the crew. But we, isn't he like a genius at like Oh, he uses yeah. the internet. I mean, like he can the, find anything on the web. Because yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I've been a while since I've seen the first movie, but I, if I, I recall thinking he was like you know neuroatypical or something. Like he has ADD. Yeah. 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 He's like, yeah. he's got that uh, disorder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's this really funny scene in the movie where it's before everyone was diagnosed with ADHD. Right. And he's like, I've got that. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> ADD or whatever. You know, yeah. it's like I couldn't do I couldn't do school, but I can do yeah. cars. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's almost yeah, exactly cars the line that he has in the movie it would be like if they'd made it today it would be like in the predator where like the autistic yeah. kid is like the oh, the next God. evolution of oh, humanity God. or some I, that oh. terrible good take shane black well done <laughs> yeah um, it was like what was he thinking yeah, yeah. I, or like how did that get through however many eyeballs that had to see that and be like yeah that sounds like a good thing to do in 2018 a lot right. of people had to say yes yeah <laughs> that was like but, the most anti-vaccine anti-whatever <laughs> because it's like you know how everybody's like that vaccine gave my son autism and it's like well guess what autism is the next step in our evolutionary history That's right, the yeah. kid's a mutant because of, of the aluminum in your your immune system <laughs> the sequel so will be go. the predator versus rain man and they yeah. like <laughs> that'd sorry be hilarious to continue the tangent but they they make this big deal that you know the child is special and 
it, it oh, you're talking seems, about the predator. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, it almost yeah, seems, yeah. you know, like pro-autism. And then there's this really horrible off-color joke where they basically call him a retard. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I was just like, all right, all that goodwill you amassed is just out the window. But that's the character, though. You know what I mean? Like, I no. Does anyone no. call him out on that? No. 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 They just, that just happens? Yeah. It oh. was just for laughs. Yeah, hmm. the, yeah, okay. I heard there was a I lot of bad that. taste in that film. It's, oh, I it's hate that movie. terrible in every aspect. Yeah, that's, well, the, that's a shame. It's a Predator sequel, so... <laughs> well, but considering that, and not to get on a whole thing, but like, you know, considering that Shane Black was in the first film, and he's a writer, and generally a pretty he wrote, good one. He actually ghost-wrote a lot of the Predator screenplay also. The original one. He was, yeah. he was oh, on yeah. set in the movie to provide writing services so they'd run to him and go this isn't working and he would rewrite the stuff as they were going that was why he was in the movie mm-hmm. mm. interesting welcome yeah, but, to the ultimate predator podcast yeah, that's right <laughs> but, in, but for this one he just sort of took the the echoing vagina joke and made an entire movie out of it oh, that's, about, that's about the uh the, the level i think of guys the what, are, what are we gonna do if they announce fast and the furious nine and they're like shane black is writing and directing it <laughs> i'm like well he's got more good than bad right I don't know. Yeah. I haven't done the ratio. I haven't, I, I haven't done the somewhat, but I think under. I think Vin Diesel is savvy enough to watch the Predator and be like, "No, no, thanks." <laughs> Shane Black, move your car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not right in this movie. Get out of my parking space. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so Brian jumps into his super to chase the bikers. Uh, Dom gets in his dad's muscle car to drive it for the first time. Terrible music plays, like Acid House trance club music. Uh, yeah, that yeah. was the biggest problem still for, for me in this film, is this terrible techno stuff. The fascinating thing, well, it reminded me of like one of my biggest takes on the, on the first movie when I rewatched them in preparation for seven or six, long ago, where I, I was watching, because I saw that movie in the theater, and I thought it was fine, but like, watching it again 13 years later i was like this is like a fantasy film like i don't recognize because like, like nothing seemed weird about how, every, how anyone was dressed or like the car meetups where everybody was like wearing like the crazy short pants and like the the, <laughs> the yeah, jorts the jorts and stuff like, it just didn't it it, it was like where, where like you watch like a john hughes movie and people are like did like are the sweaters costumes or like what people really dress and it's like no that was there was nothing weird about watching 16 candles when you were that when (laughs) that that came out i do have to bring that up because i watched an 80s film and i forget which one it was with my buddy's kids and they were like the 80s were weird (laughs) because it does look like a sword and sorcery movie and you're like this is just a john hughes film that takes place in high school nothing like even like like the weird hair and and everything like there's nothing strange about how they're dressed if you're in 1988 yeah exactly and like now you're like are they going to a party like a costume and actually filmed in 86 so it was right in the middle like but so this is like this weird artifact of like the year like 2000 2001 And I remember calculating that, like when I watched, when I rewatched it for the first time, Fast and the Furious One was then as old as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade had been when Fast and the Furious One came out. That's crazy. That's a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, to the point now where I think Vin Diesel now is in the current ones, or is 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 old enough to play his own father in the first one. (laughs) He's like fifty one, right? He's in his fifties somewhere. Yeah. He does not look that. No, he no. doesn't. No, he is a he is a well preserved man. Mark, the, Mark the Sinclair of, stays in shape. No, yeah, it's the benefits of of obviously having wealth and exercise and good food. And, That's really the, you know the thing I, mean? I think yeah. is having the time to work out, having the time and the the people to tell you here's what you eat. They work that into their into their uh, into their contracts though, mm-hmm, because yeah. uh, I I know a guy I won't name him, um, but he plays golf frequently with Samuel L. Jackson and. 
Jackson actually has a clause that he only he can't show up till like one o'clock in the afternoon on on the movie, and the morning he has to be able to play golf. They get him <laughs> they get him like a membership at the local place where they're shooting the movies and stuff like that. He golfs all morning, then he goes home, takes a shower, gets ready, goes to set. If he doesn't get that, he won't do the movie. Yeah. So he used to have it. Uh, he would only work four days a week because one day was golf. Yeah. And I guess this this sounds like an upgrade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Sam yeah. Jackson doesn't strike me as a golfer. Yeah, because dude, here's he the here's it. the thing. Apparently, oh, he's yeah. a total golfer. He's a hundred percent about golfing. He does all of his business meetings there and stuff too. But um, meet you on but, the eighteenth hole. But that's I I'm I'm under the impression because um, I worked in publicity for a little while um, for a studio, and uh, these stars get like crazy perks. Like every time Will Smith makes a movie, they give him like a two story vehicle. It's like one mm-hmm. of those like trucks, <laughs> and it's got a full gym. I'm, I'm talking like wow. a full gym with a spa and everything. At what point do they and then he gives that? it away. He gives it away oh. at the end of the movie. And then in the next movie, he demands one again. So he gives them out to his family and stuff. So you would assume that a guy like Vin Diesel, I mean, part of his character is staying in shape and being this ripped mm-hmm. dude. So, he, I mean, you know, movie movies are 18, 19 hours a day sometimes. I'd assume they have a full gym on 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 hand for him, and that's why he. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, the, the highest, um, you know, chefs and things like that. I mean, that was also the case on the original Predator. Yeah. Like, well, you got Schwarzenegger and uh, Jesse Ventura. Yeah, well, and Carl Weathers tells us these stories oh, yeah. about that. Carl Weathers talks about how they would they would everyone would work out separately early in the morning and try so so no one saw them work out and they would act like they just don't work out so they just look like that and so everyone would start getting up earlier and earlier in the morning to beat everybody else to the to the, to the, the gym they had the handshake was actually real Dude. yes there's a huge competition over who could be the biggest guy and he, he also he also credits he also credits that movie with starting him smoking cigars because Arnold obviously oh, yeah. smoked cigars all the time and he said he was walking walking by uh, uh, he was him. It was Arnold and Jesse Ventura were smoking cigars, and Arnold g- sees him walk by and goes, "Hey, Carly, do you want a stogie?" And <laughs> and he's like, "Well, I can't say no if he calls me Carly." So I'm gonna go. So that's how that started. I started smoking cigars because awesome. like you had to look cool in front of Absolutely. Arnold and do Jesse. You, do you guys wonder if this feud between The Rock and Vin Diesel is because The Rock is so fucking chiseled? <laughs> he, lo- he looks like he looks like a golem that stepped out yeah. of like like t- created him from ancient. Jewish Laurie stepped out like yep. carved from stone, you know, yeah. and like Vin Diesel is really in shape, mm-hmm. but but The Rock has veins in his veins. It's like Vin Diesel like, does everything he can to be that guy, and then it's like, oh hey, actually there's an even bigger dude mm-hmm. than yeah, you. Yeah, that who's might, also that might be a part mixed of it. ethnicity and bald. Well, yeah. so, like you know, there's a lot of scenes in the later movies where you can see that like they have gone through extreme lengths to make them look the same height, mm. yes. and. Including the one time where they argue in the they argue in the driveway of the house at one point, and like they're not they're standing next to each other looking the opposite direction. Like they're not <laughs> looking at each other like opposite directions, and they're both look the same size, and they're just sort of like talking past one another. And it's the weirdest way to set up two characters talking to one another I've ever seen in a film. Because like, they just captured real life. It's like it's like, it was like like the actors refused to look at each other, so yeah. that's the only way they could think to like do that. So it's, um, uh, I, I think there's probably a movie to be made about the behind the scenes, uh, relationships. It's going to be like too. a lifetime movie or whatever. What are those behind the scenes? <laughs> Vin movies and they Dwayne. Do? Vin- 
<laughs> so the the big second part of this last section is the biker chase, uh, and Brian is chasing the bikers. They're they're popping wheelies and shit. Brian hits his nas for the first of three times. He's got a lot of tanks a lot of nas this time. They are the official sponsors of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe it's like Need for Speed, where like when you do cool things in the car, the NAS just like refills. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a self-generating NAS <laughs> thing. It knows when you're cool. Mm-hmm. And Brian's pretty darn cool. He's, he he's dodging bullets. Bikers are shooting at him. They go over a hill in that super cliche, but somehow still badass shot of a vehicle getting a little air, you know? Yeah. I thought that was cool. Three times in a row seemed like a lot. That's clearly, but that's clearly a tribute to Bullet. Yes. You in know fact, what I mean? Yes. Like that, yeah. that sequence is shot very similarly to the movie Bullet, mm-hmm. including the side shots of like the tracking shots that they do and stuff. It's right out of that movie. Absolutely. It's the best they could do with the hills in Echo Park. It's, right, it's, right. It's, yeah, I think it's a Michael Torina Street. Uh, is that Silver Lake Echo Park? Yeah. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. yeah. As Brian and is firing his gun like I noticed it looks super goofy like a lot of people can pull off like you know the the badass like I'm holding the gun like he just kind of seems like really loose with it and just yeah he's mellow man He's mellow even when he fires, dude. It, it drove me crazy. Just relax. I'd like to know if they got any like firearm training for this film. I mean, maybe in the future ones, I bet they did, but for this one, it's just like just aim and shoot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, trigger. well, it wasn't the focus and like. For sure. But it is interesting that, you know, because this movie is basically a remake of Point Break. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Keanu did the gun thing better. That's I think Keanu awesome. held Keanu the gun better. fucking oh, yeah. hardcore, dude. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it looks like there's two bikers. It looks like they're going to split up, but one actually moves behind Brian's car. And that biker, which is uh, Lance, I believe, Cousin Lance in the snake pants, uh, is about to shoot at him when Dom suddenly shows up and sideswipes him, which I thought was That's pretty That's a cool. great shot. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't see it coming, and... I don't know, it was just a cool I always I always wonder in movies how like Dom clearly did not get the same start that these other people had. Like they took off a full minute. <laughs> it's like how do you catch up? Like that are you car listening? Is really fast. Yeah. Are you listening for like the sounds of like how do people always just show up out of nowhere? And and like find a guy. Well, at they're the planting right the nonsense. Right, they're planting the seeds of their superhuman powers that they develop. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird too because uh, Matt, you pointed out before when we were watching it, like they can hear, like the gun is practically silent as as Brian is firing yeah, it's it. It's a tiny. These little guys are gun. like 60, 70 feet ahead, mm-hmm. and they can hear. Yeah, yeah they can on hear the road, it. driving at high speed on motorcycles with helmets, and they're getting on. reaction yes. and they shots. Can hear either they hear him shooting or they can feel. The Maybe they feel the bullets by. going. Like, or yeah, something like, like that. But their like, helmet I, I think something. they also yeah. have NAS sense. They have NAS. Think, Everybody in this movie has like a sixth sense for, <laughs> yeah. for danger. Because yes. if you don't have that, you're not going to live through the movie. Basically. You know what, though? That also harkens back to samurai movies. I, I hate to keep bringing that up, but like in the samurai films, all of the warriors have a have a sense. You know, they'll be walking along and they're like, we're being watched. And the other mm-hmm. guy's like, I know. So maybe that's kind of like... Mm. A little tribute to that, or it might, I, mean, I mean, the quarter mile at a time thing is very reminiscent of sort of the Ronin samurai thing, where it's like you're outside the system, you you aren't beholden to the societal rules, so you just have to decide what to do mm-hmm. based on what's happening in front of you. It's actually a very Zen kind of in yeah, the moment kind of so. thing, yeah. And that's you know, which is why like we would consider what you know if we saw a news report on what happens at the end of this movie, we would think about these horrible, violent, like, you know, irresponsible racer guys who just yeah. don't, you know, who knows who they could have hit, like, a baby carriage or something. Yeah. But, like, in the world of, of the film, Dom is doing the only possible moral thing right? Mm-hmm. by taking these guys off the board and avenging his dead friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
that's what I think, you know, in the quarter mile thing, that's why it works. That's why it resonates, I think, is because the films embrace that philosophy to the point that, like, even if other characters don't agree with it, they will eventually agree with it because there's no way to deny the rightness of Dominic Toretto. I think I would even That's argue awesome. more so than the cops. Like what their yes. their goal is yes. to find someone, not to find the right person necessarily. Yeah, you and you see that very strongly. I think in two, like mm-hmm. in two, you, as you move into two, uh, Brian continually answers to idiots. Right, <laughs> right. and like even if they're not like like you know, if they're even if they're not like actively sinister or bad. They don't understand. They don't understand the world. Bilkins, exactly. Like Bilkins in this film is like he's the head of the FBI uh, in charge of this case, and he is so adamant that we need to find someone. And oddly, Brian is the one that's trying to like have the cooler head and be like, "Let's wait. Let's find more evidence." And yeah, that totally makes sense. So here's my question, I guess: at the end of this film, are we led to believe that? They're gonna pin this on Johnny Tran, or or is well, because they because can't. because no Brian does mention he says I haven't called the cops. Nobody mm. knows that it was uh, Toretto and his crew that attacked that truck in that last scene. They just know that somebody was attacked, and now you have these convenient scapegoats who come along, and he t- they take they take both of these guys out. So it makes me wonder if Dominic, you know, running off at the end of the movie is just to cover his own ass. He comes back to his own spoiler, Anthony. He comes, he's back in his own house in the other movies. <laughs> it's not like they can't well, find him if they want to look for him. Johnny Tran knows where he lives for Christ's sakes. And that's his right. enemy. So like he's able to go back home. So it, has he been pinned for this, or do they basically say we've got these two guys, Johnny I, and his I cousin Lance, we're going to take these guys out? Okay. But uh, you might be right. Well, I, no, they, I, they have yeah. to make a deal to get him. All right, all right. Back. There's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And then they and then they get into in the second one. They do like the problem with that Brian has in the second movie is that the cops know they, they may have solid evidence on Dom, but they know he's not a legal person. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, they know he's a criminal of some kind. Um, and they know because you hear the sirens coming up at the end of this movie. After the, yeah. they know that like you gave a police provided racing well, car to this guy say, and yeah, he's in say, trouble say for that. that. Hang on. Yeah, okay. Uh, so the second biker, well, Johnny's getting away and this time Brian stops, aims, shoots him and essentially becomes a killer. I mean, like I thought that... Does he ever reload in this scene? That's a good question. I didn't notice. He, that, that gun holds a lot, apparently. Yeah, he fires... Yeah, because earlier we did mention that the truck driver, when they're when the, in the final uh, hijack scene, somehow reloads a double-barrel shotgun. <laughs> yeah, like, one-handed. Like, as fast as Lee Harvey Oswald did at the uh, book, you know, depository back in the 60s. But um, there's this... Uh, it is interesting to note, I, I saw where he shoots him, too. Mm-hmm. He Like, he gets him right under the arm as he's turning. Yeah, no, so he gets him ribs. right in the ribs. It probably goes right through his lungs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and possibly into his heart because yeah. the angle that 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 that's a killing blow essentially yeah. if you don't get him to a hospital but yeah. of course he's on a motorcycle and so he Further flies off of the motorcycle yeah. right after being slides shot, across the street probably not a lot of hope the, for this the guy stunt this guy point. broke his leg doing that stunt holy so shit it's really? another broken uh broken bone on this movie part of the job kid part of the job and uh brian goes to check johnny and he is dead brian looks up and he sees that Dom was following him. Brian gets back in his super to chase him. There's almost an implication that Dom invites 
Brian to, to follow him? He does that Did you weird get that little, impression? He does that weird little where he stops and the car kind of does that little arc. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like he's revving and then he takes off. So, yeah, he's it's almost like a, an invite or a, a challenge. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's I mean, like, here I am. Come get me. Yeah. And this leads to the last section of the film, the last race between Brian and Dom. They meet up at a stoplight and have a little conversation. This is possible because Dom's window is down and Brian's Supra now has no roof. This will become an important distinction later in the series where they are literally talking to each other in separate cars is, with the windows up. That is that is absolutely something that haunted... Well, I, I wouldn't say it haunted me, but something that I noticed about this, we were talking about earlier in the movie where Dom talks about his father dying and how it almost eerily echoes Brian... I mean, uh, Paul Walker's death in real mm-hmm. life. There is a weird moment where they pull up next to each other and they're looking back and forth at each other. And I'm like, that is echoed in their final scene many movies later, yep. which is real. As I was watching that, I was I'm really nodding profusely, really struck by like how how it affected me watching it, knowing what was coming. Because it just seems like a throwaway moment in the movie, but it becomes something much more important as the series mm-hmm. goes, well, especially int- in comparison to like. What's, how does he describe his? He's like, he's like, he's like, my father hit the, you know, hit the wall, and you know, I heard him screaming as he burned. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. told me he died instantly, and I was the one who was screaming. Yeah, that's a great and monologue. I'm, and I'm like, you can't help but compare that to maybe you know, to to Vin Diesel's maybe reaction to yeah, Paul Walker's sure, actual. Sure. Death. It's like, yeah. and then they use that exact same framing with them in the cars for the final scene. Yeah, and it's like it all kind of ma- it, the, the the line between reality and and movie blurs in a way that like. Like I, I think that's why that's such an affecting tribute at, mm-hmm. at the end of that movie. But it's like going back to these old movies. That's exactly what you mean when you said earlier. It's like they take like things from the earlier movies and make them work and yeah. make them work in a different way. And it's fan- it's amazing how much like substance there is to this movie. Mm-hmm knowing what happens in the subsequent 15 years. And this is a great example of of fan service. I mean, I think there's two ways to do it and and working it in naturally the way that Justin Lin seems to do throughout the bulk Mm -hmm. of the series um, and considering especially that they didn't know that there were going to be sequels to this film, that they were able to take this original movie and and hit on all those points that people seem to resonate with. Well, I think it also helps, like you commented when we were watching it, like that the cinematography in this movie is really is probably better than it deserves in some ways. Totally. So the fact I think the fact that the cinematography is so well done in this movie gave you know Justin Lin a lot to work with in terms of reincorporating imagery. Like it it they're lucky or uh, whatever word you want to use that this movie is such a well made film Absolutely. from that technical standpoint Fortunate. because they can draw from that. That, that yeah, all the time. They still do, even as late as eight. You you see repeated images. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you watch the final the final race between Dom and Brian, there's this, there's this really amazing shot where you can see uh, where where Dom takes off and he gets ahead of him, and you know Brian hits the nos. And there's this amazing <laughs> shot where they show like the back end of of Dom's car, and you can see like his lower left wheel, and you see Brian's car like shooting into frame reflected in the car Mm -hmm. such amazing camera work yeah there's really oh yeah there's a part actually where where brian pulls up and he in the he's centered in frame they pan to dom and then push in on his on the driver's side window and it's just like i don't know it's very simple but it does a lot you know in that shot yeah it tells the story very effectively and efficiently and with some art to it and that's more than a lot of movies that have higher budgets and 
you know, bigger audiences can manage these days. Totally. It's, like you, I want more of that emotional connection, that character development in, you know, today's mm-hmm. action films. And, you know, some of them have them, of course, but I do think it's harder to find. Yeah. Especially this, this, this chase or this race, especially the, the last race between Dom and, and Brian mm-hmm. in this film, I think also is like, it's just two cars driving straight for a quarter mile. That's right. And they found a way to make that really interesting just totally. using the camera. Yeah, it, because apparently this stoplight is where Dom would drag race in high school because it's exactly a quarter mile to the railroad track. And so when the green light hits, they start racing just in time for a train to start coming. <laughs> yes. Which is perfect timing. Up oh, the guys, drama. I, yeah. I want to point something out. The uh, The cinematographer for this, for this movie is named Edison Core. Or Erickson Core, excuse me. He actually shot the Point Break remake. Really? Uh, which is hilarious. That is fascinating. Uh, and also did some films such as uh, Payback uh, nice. with Mel Gibson, Invincible, Daredevil, uh, Mumford. Um, a lot of hits. So he's, he's had some pretty pretty decent movies. Big films, uh, though. He's really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you can look at the cinematography for this film. I mean, despite if those other ones didn't do quite as well, I mean, he knows what he's doing. Well, you could argue, too, that the Daredevil movie with Affleck is a piece of shit, but it's got really good camera work. Yeah, yeah. there's some really good. good stuff in there. Yeah, so. Yeah, the bullseye stuff is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, so. Um, so, yeah, they take off. Dom somehow does a wheelie. Is that, I guess that's possible. That yeah. seems really thing. counterintuitive to, <laughs> to winning race. a race. Yeah, yeah it's not going to make you go any faster, but like yeah. the, the Dom's. It's certainly cool. Sorry, Dom's yeah. giant car raising up like a mechanical T Rex is yeah. just sort of a, a, another repeated image in <laughs> yeah. the series. Can't do that with an escort. You, know, <laughs> you cannot do that with an escort. Well, or if you pay enough. Right. <laughs> you see uh, a Prius doing that? <laughs> They'd still keep you held up in traffic, though. Yeah. The worst <laughs> and it drivers would be, ever. It would be silent. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's, no, there's no engine. How horrible it. would it be to have a two Prius race? <laughs> like, like, there's just no sound. <laughs> They're going around the corners. Oh, but they, no, they should, there should, that should be like the bad guys in like one of the upcoming movies should just use electric cars because it doesn't trigger the nonsense. Yeah. Whoa. That's their thing is they're all about the environment and like these other cars aren't. And so they're yeah. trying to stop them. But like, like you can't, like the nonsense can't detect electric cars. <laughs> that's so right. So they can oh. sneak up on Dom. Yeah, like right. that's, that's the trick. It's like the venom yeah. of Spider-Man. I was just gonna say, like yeah. Venom doesn't trigger the spider sense, so mm-hmm. he changes the whole game. Nice. Electric cars change the whole game against so the, the they're, family. They're going full speed uh, towards this train, and something goes wrong with Dom's car, which is sort of reminiscent to the earlier race where Brian's car starts messing up. Uh, the Toyota. Do you? Okay, I did. I hadn't noticed that little parallel. But do you guys do? Did he know the train was coming, or was that like? I don't. I mean, after they had started racing, it starts coming, and I think they like. There's a moment where they both kind of commit train. to it. Of course, yeah, of we were course, talking yeah. in every in every car chase. There's always an old woman walking across the street with a cart. <laughs> yeah. There's always the like the guys pain. with glass. Yeah. You know, there's always those stereotypes. Anytime you're racing, there has it's to be height, a train it's tightening the. Yeah. Well, also, I would I would argue that you could see that train as completely metaphorical. Oh yeah, because once they cross that line, that's the end. Uh, for all intents and purposes, as far as they know, that's the end of their relationship. Yep, and so, I mean it yep. could be the end of uh, Brian's career too. Yeah, so also there might not have been a train there. That's interesting. And there's so much, Ooh. and I'm sure you'll get to it, but like there's weird slow mo sequences. Well, yeah, I was just about to bring that, that up. Like I didn't remember. I, I had no that. memory of this. So apparently, these this was a new technique that Rob Cohen called smurring, which is a blend <laughs> of. <laughs> Smearing and blurring, which I feel dirty about just talking out loud. You're going to need to take a shower I after this. So. After we smear the shame, scene. Rob Cohen, now. <laughs> I know, right? You're into what you're into. No, th- so that is weird because 
as I was watching this, I was like, you could clearly tell when something is shot in slow-mo versus it being put, added right. in post. Like, like the final it's jump clearly, over the tracks is shot in slow-mo. Yeah, like it's, that, yeah there's clearly, the smurring is clearly something that they did, smurring. you know, in post. <laughs> oh, My question, we're, we're going to have to ask him this, is like, what... Uh, should what he come thinking? on the show in the future? <laughs> no, but like... Wink, wink. It's, it's kind of like the... Uh, like when you watch the beginning of Gladiator, like I love... I, I I love uh, Ridley Scott's movies, but like the slow mo in that is so bad, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What the fuck were you thinking?" Your entire <laughs> did you need a couple more minutes on the runtime? Yeah, because it's like, it's like that weird, and it's 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 the smurring technique that he's doing, and it's like horrible. I hate that. So I'm I'm a big believer that you should always do everything in camera, and then not have to fix it in post. Well, filmmakers, <laughs> listen up. To to note uh, a positive uh, again, kind of like the scene with the helicopter uh, when the helicopter takes Vince away there was a ton of dialogue cut between Dom and Brian, right. which I thought was a great idea because there's so much in that sort of silence between the two of them, you know? Yeah. And it's more about like the race, the train. And now that you pointed that out about the train being metaphorical, it's like, <laughs> makes total sense. Um, so Brian uh, actually hits his NOS twice during this race. Can you have three canisters of NOS? I mean, I don't know. Brian sure can. can. Brian yeah, can. Yeah. In the world of fast movies. He doesn't have to reload his gun. Right. They have yeah. crazy car accidents people walk away from. Right. It's, I'm sure it's. Well, speaking of crazy Yeah, they're about to. Yeah. yeah. The two guys narrowly miss the train and they make it safely onto the other side. <laughs> By the way, that's and, a real stunt. That's, yeah. you could tell that they're really there with a train. Really? I don't know. I, well, no, you know, I mean, trains, you might be right. Trains only go like in movies, you shoot it at, I think it's like 20 miles an hour mm-hmm. and it looks like it's going way faster. Uh, yeah. they sh- there's a lot um, in this, in this final sequence, actually, I wanted to point out when Dom and uh, Brian are confronting each other at the house mm-hmm. and in the race scenes, a lot of it is shot with telephoto lenses to compress the imagery and to, and to give more of a sense of like weird closeness to, mm-hmm. to the characters than there was before. And in this this race scene, they're using a lot of telephoto. So I'm 100% certain there was a real train. It was probably a pretty Much decent distance off. off. But when yeah. you shoot it with telephoto, it looks smushed. It looks like so it it's going to... looks gonna, great. Because it looks like they are about to really get hit by a train. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a practical shot. Yeah, I'm pre- I, I would agree with that, especially yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then uh, Dom forgets to live the next quarter mile That's right. <laughs> of yeah. his life. He's, he's only got one. <laughs> it's only one quarter mile. Yeah, not, that's the one not, thing that Dom continually forgets is once you've lived that quarter mile, there's another quarter put, mile put the immediately off. after yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah. He's, bu- he's too busy bonding with Brian, looking back and forth at yeah, him. Yeah, they're there gazing is, at each other yeah. at that point. There is a weird, there's a weird moment, like when they both survive that train where they do look at each other and there's this like almost weird pride that that totally. gets shot between the two of them. It's really weird mm. like they're both they do like, like a we fist did bump it. in their minds. Yeah. It's like a mental yeah, fist Dom, bump. You still get the impression that Dom thought he might back off the train. Like that, yeah, that, exactly. That Brian wouldn't follow him and Brian finally crossed that line cuz like yeah. Morally he crosses the line when he shoots Johnny, but he crossed the line into Dom's world when they crossed those train tracks and beat the train. Good observation. So, yeah. so to Dom, that's the moment where Dom realizes he's really family. That's where he leaves mm-hmm. the cop behind and becomes Brian 
Dom's brother. Totally. And yep. I want to talk. So I'll just get on to like he, uh, Dom and then uh, he hits, hits a truck. truck. It's, it's a truck. <laughs> goes flying. Comes out they're, nowhere. They're too, a non-metaphorical they're truck. Too busy, <laughs> they're too busy lovingly gazing at one another for him to notice the truck. It's a big moment. That it's pulls a, it's out. A, oh, it's so great. I, you don't, I, I'm, you don't I'm gain another brother every day. It's a That's sparklets right. truck, isn't it? Isn't it one of those big green sparklets it's gr- trucks? It's definitely green. That you see everywhere in LA? Yeah. I haven't seen a truck come out of nowhere like that since the Wicker Man <laughs> that whole movie was a truck coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Not the bees, not the bees. Ah! <laughs> so how did it get burned? How did it get burned? <laughs> More Nick Cage impressions. Uh, Dom uh, is banged up, but he's okay. Brian pulls him out. No, wait, hang on. We <laughs> have what? to point out the awesomeness of this fucking stunt, dude. It's great. This this stunt is. Dom gets hit and his car literally and they have a shot from within Brian's car looking through the through the driver's window of of a car. It's practical, man. Mm-hmm. The car like overturns and flies and goes over yeah. his car and he goes under it. That had to have been a risky as hell stunt. I mean, if that went wrong, everyone involved in that could have been dead. So Whoever was driving that that car that flipped, kudos to you. Totally. Um, because that's a super impressive moment. I mean, I remember seeing that just going, holy shit. Like, mm-hmm. nowadays, that would be a CGI car. Mm. But maybe not in this series. Yeah. Because right, that's one of the big strengths that they rediscovered in 5 was they – that's one of the things in 4 is like – a lot of CG cars. They started using more and more CG cars as the series went on. Right. And one of the things that revitalized 5 was they went back to practical. Right. Because – they the, were headed no matter how silly you think this movie is, the car stuff is still impressive. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I recently watched a documentary called Stuntman, um, which centered around a, a dude named Eddie Braun, who's do, done like 235 movies in, in television as Stuntman. And uh, they were talking about how they do that that car flip. They put a bomb literally in mm-hmm. the car. They activate it. Because it not fires somebody, yeah. something down, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. You, you it sort of makes it, that car do the it flip. It fires yeah. like a metal... It's like, like a, a piston like a almost. Yeah. yeah, and it yeah. pops it up, right? Because yeah. you could see it in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. When Indy knocks, when he shoots the uh, the guy in the truck, you could see the piston sticking out. It's mm-hmm. like blatant <laughs> when you watch it. And you're like, oh, God. But they didn't have the ability to hide it back then. That's right. But yeah. uh, imagine... Just the the discipline it takes to ignite a bomb <laughs> yourself that's going to blow you up. No, it has to be terrifying to be able to do that. Um, not to mention, I would assume too that they have there in order to get the car to go up on the side, they also have to have like half of a, a of ramp. a ramp. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming he goes on the ramp, has to hit the bomb at exactly the right time to make it fly over the car and yeah. he has to make sure that the car next to him is not going to get I hit. would be willing to bet that the truck is hiding the ramp yeah. that's probably on the other side of the stunt. Um, yeah. And like you had mentioned, Matt, uh, the police sirens are in the background. Mm-hmm. So Brian and Dom have... Brian essentially has a limited amount of time to figure out what the hell he's going to yeah. do in this also, situation. Also, I think this might be the only time Dom is hurt that is a very good point. Any car crash, he's actually bleeding. Yeah. He's bleeding, and he's a little out of it. And he's like, "Whoa!" Like, I think that's the most mortal Dom ever is in the whole series. Totally, he's still not as banged up as one of us would be. No, he's flipping fine. our he car right through the up. air. Well, and, yeah, and that roll cage roll. and all the protection he probably has in that car. Because I mean, it was an official race car. Yeah, uh, but he wasn't yeah. wearing a seatbelt. No, he was no. not. Oh no, no, he wasn't. Or a helmet. Yeah, he walks away from it pretty clean. 
He's yeah. got the same wounds as Letty does, by the way, from her earlier accident. It's on oh, the it's on the the his right and side hers of the face. Head wounds. Yeah, they have, they, have, they have matching head wounds for their trip to Baja. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, we didn't we didn't point that out earlier. Um, that that Dom basically says the rest of the crew has like. They've they've taken off already. So like Dom and and Mia are the only people left. Yeah, they've gone to their oh. bolt holes, and apparently Mia just has to stay with the house. Right, right. That, that's the emergency plan. She's got tuna yeah. sandwiches to make for the family <laughs> yeah. business. She's made two months worth of tuna, yeah, yeah. tuna sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Brian uh, decide. Well, he tells Dom that he still owes him that ten second car and gives him his car keys, and he holds them in such a way so that the audience knows. Precisely, those are car keys. Yeah. Those are car He's keys. He's holding car keys in his hand <laughs> specifically because because I think uh, some, what, what, you, I think you said like in you know isn't that, oh no uh, I think Anthony said that's a key shot. It's like key drop, you, you yeah. do you do an insert shot of someone handing keys, but they don't want to cut away from the two shot of Ooh, Dom and Brian. True, right, it's right. so important, so yes. super awkward looking. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, again, like they do everything to really support that relationship, and I mean, I think it's kind of what makes because again, if this if this movie doesn't work, the sequels don't work. Right. Um. So uh, yeah, and I also just thought that um, the the significance of Brian letting Dom go ties back into the whole respect thing and that uh, Dom sees Dom as more of a noble guy. I mean, even if he doesn't agree with the things that he's doing, I mean, he can understand the reasons behind it. Mm -hmm. And even the cops don't have that same sort of loyalty and respect to him necessarily. Maybe Tanner, but I mean, I think the FBI guys didn't really show that. And so uh, I think it's just really interesting that he decides... It's the man code. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's like the bro code. or the When he never found... Like, Brian never found a family or a place to belong in the force the way he finds yes. with Dom. And right. that is doubled and tripled down on in future movies. But like, that is, you're, you're very right because the way they treat him aside from Tanner is they treat him like absolute shit. Mm-hmm. Like, a tool, like you're going to be out on the fucking streets. If yeah. you know, he's do the only one who can do. do this job. Yeah. And he's doing it really well. Like we yeah. mentioned, he does this in like two days. Yeah. <laughs> like you could argue that Brian's like turn to the side of Dom and the, and the crew is because in part, because he's alienated by his own police force. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. And uh, so so Dom takes off in the Supra and Brian waits for the cops to arrive. Uh, I didn't actually know that there was a after credit scene uh, in the first movie until this viewing. I had not noticed this either. I've seen yeah. the movie like six, seven times. And- I, you know, it just never occurred to me to check. And <laughs> as I was watching this time, I was like, you know, I just better check. And I uh, definitely of remembered is. it. Like once once you showed it to us. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, right, I've seen it because he does the speech again. Like, yeah, I, I remember ten, it. Ten, but I, if you had just, like, told, sat me down and said, like, rem- tell me all the things you remember about the original Fast and Fear, I would never have mentioned that. Yeah, I, I did see that that post credit sequence. I, I remember watching it. I uh, I think I showed up, like, early for a movie, like, super, super early. <laughs> so early you watched the end of the previous yeah, movie. Yeah, and I remember walking in and I was just like, what the hell am I watching? Because it mm. opens up in Baja and it's very kind of like a... Like a very weird lightning. Like yeah, just, Dom's just driving. It's mm-hmm. very brightly lit. You see another Corona sign. Yeah, which is important. Yeah, of course, like you feel it was done with like it was like Vin Diesel went down with like a camera guy and like, <laughs> and that's it. And like there's like we're gonna shoot this thing. That is know? that is very interesting. You point that out because uh, I listened to this. Uh, there's a show called The Gentleman's Dojo with Steve Byrne and Gary Cannon, and they had Matt Polly who wrote the Bruce Lee biography on there. Mm. And one of the things. Bruce Lee was not supposed to be the star of Enter the Dragon. Hmm. He was supposed to be the third build lead in that movie. John Saxon had been promised to be the lead. And what Bruce Lee did is he kept going to the Warner Brothers people and saying, 
this movie is about me. You don't understand. I'm the one who's going to be the big star. They didn't believe him, so he went out with his own money and a camera crew, much like what you were talking about, and he shot the opening sequences where where his basically like his master comes to him and gives him those lessons. He did that himself, sent it to Warner Brothers and said, see, put this in the movie and it's going to make it better. And they were like, you're right, this guy actually should be the lead. And they recut the movie to make him the lead. So it makes you wonder if Diesel didn't, shoot that addendum because he was like this movie's going to be this a big movie's hit about me. and well, we are going we're going to we're going to move them further on we're going to do more of these yeah. movies and maybe he shot that and they snuck it in i mean well, one knows? of the one of the reasons i bring that up is because he did that at oh, one so point you do, okay not, well, not, i don't know about for this but he did that at one point between 3 and 4 I 3 think. and 4 yeah. he just he went and they sh- went down. I think was it Cuba or somewhere Dominican Republic. Maybe Dominican Republic. That's right. Because he fell. He'd fallen. Vin Diesel had fallen in love with the Dominican Republic, basically. And um, they went down and they shot this short film that explains what happened with him and Letty between when. Yeah, I've not seen the short film. Well, I don't want to get too far into okay. it just yet. Yeah, but, but that, but is, that true. is it. But he did Los Bandoleros. That's yeah, what it's called, called Los Bandoleros. And um, and it's like he basically shot that guerrilla style, like. Wow, between movies and like so, so I I just know that because Vin Diesel has that uh, predilection mm-hmm. to do that, um, if he feels it's appropriate, like I, it wouldn't shock me if. Well, he had, and he had like we had talked about before, he made that multifacial short film, so he yes. does have those. Yeah, he leanings. does have the chops for exactly, it. Exactly, he yeah. does. Um, so yeah, we've wrapped up uh, the first film, Anthony. Wow, in the bag. Um, it, it was better than I expected. <laughs> That's all I ask. Yeah, um, I. One of the, the things I think the movie uh, had a missed opportunity on was... To make it all about the trucker? Yeah, well, <laughs> still waiting for that spinoff. Trucker Wars. <laughs> Vigilante truckers. I'm going to make that movie someday. <laughs> um, but basically, Brian is stuck between two worlds, and I, I mm-hmm. wish they would have explored that a little bit more. I, I think in Point Break... You have Break, eight movies, Anthony. Well, <laughs> But still, in, in this one. Yeah, I, I mean, at the end... He lets Dom go. Mm-hmm. To me, it didn't feel earned. I, I really wish that they would have played with, you know, his allegiance. Like, maybe have him question, you know, should I leave the police force and join these people in their, you know, life of crime and racing and whatnot? Or, you know, should I, I dedicate myself, no matter how cool they are, to arresting them and putting a stop to, you know, what they're doing? Mm-hmm. And I, I think just... You'd like to have seen it more explicitly explored. Not explicitly, but Well, but out loud. Because I think that there is deeper. a lot of... I, I, yeah, there, there's a lot of that in the movie, though. I mean, if you really look at the, the, at the unspoken relationships that we've been talking about throughout the movie, I think that's where that story is told. It's just shown to you and not explicitly, you know... Well, maybe you guys have more insight because you've seen the entire franchise. But to me, it just the basically it's a turn at the end. Mm-hmm. Like he decides to let him go, which is what happens in Point Break. I feel like it was more earned in Point Break. Like I, watching Point Break, I'm like Johnny Utah might just turn and, and run off with them. And this one, I didn't feel that. I I would urge you to go back and watch the scene where uh, I think it's the final scene with Tanner where uh, Tanner is basically like, Hey man, you got to choose who your real family is and stuff. That's, that's pretty, that's, that's a big overtone in that scene where he -hmm. can tell that Brian is really like identifying with these people. And we were talking about how like, you don't know what Brian's past is. Mm -hmm. For all we know, he is some street rat who the cops like are taking advantage of. They 
quickly deputized him and pulled him in. We don't know what yeah, what his allegiance is to the Yeah, but but I think you can kind of get that implication that it's very clear the cops don't respect this kid or show him any kind of, you know, he's doing this amazing work and they're like, fuck you, kid, just get it done. And he goes and he hangs out with Dom and Dom immediately is like, hey, man, I'm going to put you to you work. Have, you have skills, gonna, you have value. I'm gonna, yeah, so I, I think I think if you if you were to rewatch the movie instead of in 15-minute chunks, <laughs> go back and watch it again as a, as a whole, I think you will get more out of it this time. It does benefit multiple viewings. I do think yeah. Anthony has a point, though, in that we are, I think we are bringing what we know about the Brian character later that is possible yes. to this movie and seeing where that's going and seeing this is the beginning of that. That, that is true. And yeah. if you okay. haven't seen yes. those movies, I feel like this. I feel like it, I feel like it's a valid point to say that that it feels a little um, rushed out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, also, because like there's a lot more happening in this movie in terms of character relationships than mm. Point Break, because Point Break is basically Johnny Utah and uh, who. What's and the Bodie. love interest in Point Break? Is there one? Uh, Lori yeah. Petty. Yeah, but you don't remember that. Oh, so, the world's yeah. most annoying yeah. human being. I would never, I would <laughs> never, never think of Petty, that yeah. off the top of my head. But I would always remember Mia. Exactly. If That's only because I was like, it's weird that Mia wasn't really the love interest in this movie. It was Dom. <laughs> you totally, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, there are two dates in this film: Brian and Mia, and Brian and Dom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More gets done in the Dom one. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, I, I really like Dom. Vin Diesel knocked it out of the park. He's um, great in the movie, yeah. yeah. I didn't really remember how... It, I mean, once I sat down and really paid attention, he does a lot of great stuff. Yeah. It's weird his because... His body language, the way that he reads his, his lines. Delivery, yeah, yeah, he, he does great. not get enough... Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people, it's kind of like the Robert Redford thing, how like Robert Redford was like so good looking that people don't realize he was a great actor. They were yeah. like, yeah, I was just a pretty boy who was made a star. Or you look at a guy like Brad Pitt, who is an incredible, incredible actor who just happens to have a movie star's face. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and um, I think Vin Diesel has that ability. I mean, he really does commit himself. Yeah. You could tell that he is committed to that part. Yeah. And like, maybe you don't realize like, because he plays that and Riddick are kind of similar in terms of how kind of laconic they are. Yeah. But he's not really like that in interviews or in real life. Like he's, he's like a total yeah. sweetheart, yeah, right? Yeah, he's a very he's a big dork, basically. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the to me, one of the greatest losses in cinema history is that during the production of Chronicles of Riddick, where he, you know, he he chose Judy Dench as his co-star. They gave him any co-star, you know, we'll get him. Whatever leading lady you want, we'll get her. And he picked Judy Dench, and they're like, we thought you were going to pick like some hot young girl. He's like, no, I want to work with Judy Dench. So they brought in Judy Dench, and at one point during filming, he apparently got everybody together and taught Judy Dench how to play Dungeons and Dragons. That's and dude, I would pay almost awesome. any amount oh of money God. to see footage of him trying to teach Judy Dench how to be a half elf. Like I would, like that. If that is one of the the most missed opportunity bonus features, like I would buy the DVD for dude, that. Definitely chaotic. Now good. roll your twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I've smitten the dragon. Yeah. I smote the dragon. You smote the dragon. <laughs> what oh. do you mean? Memorize spells. Like, it's, it, like I would. I mean, if they did, if someone didn't tape that, they made a horrible mistake for humanity. Yeah. There's there's footage floating around somewhere. Uh, wow. So Matt, what is your uh, what is your final take on this on this? Of uh, uh, okay, so Anthony, you know what? I am gonna I'm gonna go back because I believe that you were correct, Matt, in saying that it's it's clearly we are bringing our our future whatever to it. I can. I'm. I'm. I'm conceding my. Uh, my original argument. So you're not going to listen um, to me when I bring that up, but when Matt brings <laughs> no, it up, no, no, because because here's the thing: is like is 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 
because now that I'm kind of when he put it the way he put it, I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am bringing the future to it mm-hmm. when when yeah, and it's not fair because you don't know what that future is at this point. Yeah. So you're getting what you're getting, which is a more honest point of view. Mm-hmm. So um, guys, what are I, I, I think, you know, maybe since this is the wrap up of the first one, let's give our takeaways of what this first movie means to us. So um, I think like you're hit from the first movie, you head into sort of a fairly weak sag of the series like it finds it doesn't find its feet for a few more movies um but they were making them because they made all this money and they they knew they had to keep going vin diesel checks out for the next two films um which is a it's a i mean people make fun of him but like he's the heart of these movies and without him it loses something um and like his relationship with Brian is very important, but like you can still do it with just Vin Diesel, and they so they have. But I would argue that they did lose a lot with losing Paul. They did, they did. But at the same time, I think uh, losing Paul Walker is a tragedy to this series because the, the relationship between Dom and him is is the central focus. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like if if let's say Paul Walker didn't die and he just wanted to move on to something else, like I would say Vin Diesel's more important character wise than. Than Paul Walker is if you're just going to have to pick one to continue this series. Yeah, he, well, he's the linchpin. I mean, he is the, he's, he's the heart of the family. Yeah, of the yeah, entire he's thing. He's the head. And he's the head. He's the Professor X. Of and the like, X-Men. so this movie, like, I I think it's the best of the pre five ones. Uh, I know there's some people that think three is the best. I love three because and I, I really like four. I think three is the worst. Although I wouldn't call it bad. I just think it's like because the people love it because it's all about the racing. Yeah, and I'm like. But that's not the point. This series isn't about racing. Like racing happens to be the setting, but it's about these characters and the family. And so, like to me, this one, like as that setup is great, it's 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 a time capsule of this era in a way that very few other movies are. Of the middle um, six months of two thousand. Yeah, that little little section of two thousand one yeah. before nine eleven, and like yeah. like it was. It's it's almost like the last innocent film. That's interesting because it would it came yeah. out in June or July. Yeah, it was right before everything went to hell. Yeah, and um, just like I love the whole thing. I, I mean, I do live in L.A., but like I love the early stuff where like where he finds this. It's that open the open restaurant with no air conditioning, and you can you can feel how hot and sweaty yeah. it is in there. And he just wants this tuna sandwich that's clearly probably not properly refrigerated. But he just wants to talk to this. He just wants to talk to this girl and like do his job and like. Who can you know? It, it it I would hang out in that restaurant. I would totally oh, yeah. like, like I love like that that it makes um it makes this group of people who are you know several of those characters are not particularly likable human beings in a real world sense, but like you want to hang out with those people. Like you you right. you want to belong to that group. You want mm-hmm. to be in that party. Um, and have anything you want as long as it's a Corona. Right. And, right. you know, it, it, it's like that. It's it's It creates this feeling of, like, wanting to belong to these people that puts you right there with Brian. Mm-hmm. And, like, and that's why I think Anthony's comment about not believing his turn is interesting because I think you can definitely make the case that they don't make a strong enough case for Brian making that decision. But I'm on board from the beginning. Like right. I want Brian to catch up to me. Right. And like so maybe I'm doing the work for Brian that the movie doesn't do. I yeah. Yeah. That that's well put. I I mean, I I was on board with with Dom's little crew mm-hmm. and I wanted, you know, more of a reason for for Brian to run off. And I think him. you get like like um oh now I'm forgetting his name. Who's the guy the the the, the jerky guy? Vince. 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 Yeah. 
like Vince has a good reason to be that way. Like yeah. everybody, exactly. the motivation like, is very clear for everybody. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you still understand why he's part of the family. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, that it's it all works together, and and there's more effort put into that than really needed to be. And that's one of the reasons you can draw from this movie continually to make this larger series as you move on. Um, but I think it, I think it more or less holds up as long as you're willing to understand it's from a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an introduction to all these characters, it still works. Like, it, like it, I, I would not say jump straight to Fast Five and just go from there. I would say you totally. start with this and understand where this all came from um, because it's a very important grounding film for the rest of the series. Absolutely. And it is the most grounded of the, of the, of that the is series. Yeah. As you yeah. go, it just gets more and more outlandish. Do you have any final so. thoughts, Vito, about the first film? Uh, I I agree that it is an, a very interesting time capsule for for a very specific time. Um, my my thing is just I, I really urge people who kind of mock the series or who don't give it a shot. The series, every single one of them, even if you don't agree that eight you know isn't a great movie or whatever, they're all so impeccably made. They all have such heart. They're made mm-hmm. with passion. They're made by people who you could tell really want to want to tell an entertaining story. You could tell that Vin Diesel really wants, wants people to identify with these characters and he really gives a shit about his movies. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt. I think it's, it's a great starting point. Um, it's, it's weird to write off the first couple of movies because when you see where they go, it's kind of like, uh, I guess I would say if you watched a a white belt in jujitsu, you'd be like, this dude fucking blows. But by the time he's a black belt and he's amazing, you know, you're like, this guy's an amazing martial artist, but he had to start somewhere. Exactly. You have to start yeah. somewhere. And without that foundation, you don't have the rest of the series. This is like this is like the base of the building. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Without that base, I don't think you can get the rest of the, the series as well. Totally. And I mean, I know that they were out. Well, Vin Diesel was out for two and three, and then Paul Walker was out for three, and then four comes around. And I think that they kind of realized that they had an opportunity to like really take this seriously and do something with it. And uh, a lot of that, I think, comes from the fan loyalty that was nurtured because of this mm. first film. Do you guys think that uh, that Universal Pictures... Obviously, they're like, we're going into the sequel without Vin Diesel. The third one, we're going without both of these guys. Like, do you think they were like, let's just make some money and exactly. like yeah, run? Yeah. They did probably, you get the sense, they probably did not think that those movies were going to be as big of a hit as they really are. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's where Universal was like, holy shit, even without these guys in it, these movies are going to make money. Why don't we bring them back, pay them what they want, totally. and just shoot for the moon? Yeah. And well, and also, like, I don't think, like, if you look, go look at, like, the, the aggregate critic scores for these movies and, for like the first four movies, they're down in like the the the, the they're down in like the forty percent, fifty percent range. They're not well received films. And then Roger five, Ebert though loved the Roger first Ebert movie. did he love gave the it first three one. out of four stars. But hey. uh, but with five, they suddenly rock it up into you know suddenly they're all fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And I can't think of another series that did that that yeah, turned true. that around. That they yeah. started as sort of these weird little exploitation movies that had Let's a little hope bit of spark. The DC of something. movies are going to be like that. <laughs> oh, where yeah. be where by the one. time they get to the ninth movie, we'll get a great it's one great. other yeah. than Wonder Woman. Yeah, totally. look real hard at that, folks. Yeah. Um, hey, maybe Vin Diesel's coming over for and, the James Gunn Suicide Squad now. So. <laughs> really? Did you hear that? I did not. Oh, I mean, okay. I know Dave Batista does yeah. want to come yeah, yeah. that. That'd and, be very uh, interesting. Since we're doing the 
movies a little out of order, uh, and so we won't get to three. I just want to say, you know, think if maybe Justin Lin hadn't been brought on for that third film, somebody that was willing and open to the idea of taking this and really doing something with it, which I guess, I mean, I don't know what the backstory is with him in part three, but I mean, they had to do something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like the, the, and it was also part, like part three also, you have to remember it was, it, there was like drift racing was a big thing. I mean, I was at G4 at the time, but we were doing, uh, 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 drift a drift racing show at the time it wow. was a, you know, initial D was I being didn't realize localized. it was that big it was a thing it was I mean maybe you had to be in LA but like mm. it was a, it was a, a definite trend in sort of the car racing world um, I can't God I can't remember the name of the series that we did but it was I think it was it was called uh, drifted um, yeah <laughs> I don't know Tokyo I don't Drifters. remember it was. <laughs> It was hosted by a guy named Big C. I remember that. I remember Big okay. C, but I can't remember the name of the show. But it was a it was a pretty decent hit yeah. um, because the, there was a hunger for that sort of thing, and so making Tokyo Drift at the time made a lot of sense. Sure, um, that trend was more or less over by the time Tokyo Drift came out because <laughs> yeah, there's a lag hilarious. time between when sure. you say, "Hey, this is a thing we should make a movie." Two years later, like, you know, so drifting was the VCRs of Tokyo Drift, right? Yeah, a little bit, but like. Um, it was Formula D racing. Formula D. Yeah. That's what it was. That's right. I had to look Formula that up. D with Big C. Big C. Nice. <laughs> yep. That's hilarious. Well, what are you working on now, Matt? Is there anything you want to plug? Or? Um, well, I do the weekly video game uh, video podcast with uh, Sifted.net. That's S I F T D, no E. Yeah, get that very, E out of there. Very Web 2.0. <laughs> Uh, but we, it's my, uh, my friend Shane Satterfield, he used to run game trailers. Uh, he, uh, it's his own, his own site and we do a, uh, we basically like do a, a big conversational wrap up of the news of the week every week. Uh, it's about three hours long. Wow. Um, we, the, it's a, it's a, it's a commitment, <laughs> but you can, we can watch, watch it or listen to it on the site. If you're, if you're a member or you can watch it live on Twitch every Tuesday night at 6 PM Pacific for free, or you can watch it on YouTube for free a week later. Very cool. Um, so if you're into video games, we uh, we're two old men who have been in the industry <laughs> for like 20 years each, and uh, we just sort of discuss the current current games and current news. Sounds awesome. Um, and uh, you know, here and there, I've been done some done some writing for Cinefix, which is over at uh, IGN right now. Uh, nice. Go check them out. They do they do some good work. Uh, they're they're kind of a small little brand right now. They used to be with Buzzfeed and Mashable, but. Uh, um, I write a thing for them about uh, every couple weeks. Like, it's a this week in film, so I just look up things that happened this week <laughs> in movies and talk about them. And and it's fun. Like one, you know, one time I went from talking about this week the Boogans came out to um, uh, at the end of the segment we were talking about Italian neorealist film. So runs the game runs <laughs> runs the spectrum. We we don't have any limitations here. Sounds so awesome. That's that's the kind of thing I'm on right now. Very cool. Sweet Vito. Anything going on? Uh, well, you know, as you know, we have, uh, if you're listening to this, you know, as it comes out, we're going to be at uh, Los Angeles Comic-Con soon mm -hmm. with three panels, which they won't allow us to, you know, announce yet, yeah. even though it's two <laughs> weeks away. Yeah. But, uh, so Zach and I are on a couple of panels together. Um, I'm going to be doing three of them. I know we have unnecessary debates on Sunday. Uh, comics on comics is going to be on Friday. Um, I'm not sure when the third panel is that's unannounced as of yet. The secret one. Um, but uh, please check it out. If you want to come see us live, you'll be able to yeah. meet us there and, and come say hello. And, and, I'd love uh, to see you. Yeah, you can, I still don't have an Instagram. I, I plan on doing it when it, it is no longer popular. <laughs> I, will, I will suddenly get the hankering to take photos of my food. But yeah. um, you can find me at Vito Lapicola on uh, Twitter, although I basically just retweet 
mentions of our yeah. own show. But uh, yeah, you can find me there and hit me up if you like. Very cool. Anthony? I'm still doing stuff for Film Threat with the, uh, Film the podcast. Threat. Yeah, and... Uh, Film Threat sucks. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, that was a compliment. Hey. Get it? Yeah, yeah. It's that's also the, the documentary. Yeah, I was going to say that's the documentary that, that Chris is working on. Um, I'm also going to be on some panels at LA Comic Con, I believe. Um, still working to get that settled, but I'm, I know Film Threat's going to have a presence, and I think mm. Chris Gore is going to drag me onto a few panels. <laughs> and for 2019, we'll have a So Fast, So Furious panel. Uh, yeah, I hope yeah. so. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, follow me on Twitter at This Game Cheats. Don't follow me on anything else because I think that's weird. Fair enough. Oh, also, we have something really big coming, which we will announce in the next couple of weeks, probably. Yeah. Well, and, uh, it'll be the next episode after this one. I yeah, thought we were going to announce it today, but okay. Well, yeah. We can, I mean, so I we're gonna our, we're gonna do a wrap up episode, and we have director Rob Cohen, who did the first Fast and the Furious movie, is going to be coming on and yeah. sitting down with us for an hour or two to uh, give us all of the gory details yeah, about wait. the making of the movie, its impact, and things like that. More insight. I just want to talk to him about Dragonheart. Yeah, we will. I, I'm, I'm assuming we'll probably have a little section at the end of it where we kind of talk go about his because I, I love Dragon the Bruce Lee story. I you know why I'm the, the last one. The guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good Dude. Connery. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very the good only Connery. thing I could say in John. <laughs> please, in John no, please try. Voice. You're the man now, dog. For the man now, dog. I love Not it. Bad. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now say so. Junior. <laughs> junior. <laughs> Yeah. Blash for blaspheming. <laughs> Matt Dude, we should it. do we should do dueling conneries. Fish, losers go home and complain. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. It reminded me of my Charlemagne. We should just do <laughs> dueling. Yes. We just you know, all it's just lines. It's just everybody doing Connery. Yeah. Dude, my favorite conversations with Connery. Nice. Coming you know soon. What's weird. You know how you have your weird like favorite things. Uh, that aren't like everybody else's. Like my favorite Darth Vader line is, you're a part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Mm -hmm. Take her away. For some reason, I think that's really powerful. My favorite Sean Connery line is from the movie Rising Sun, where they go to try to get to this party. The bouncer's like, hey man, I can't let you in. And I got to warn you, I'm a black belt. And he looks at me and he goes, of course you are, dear. And then pokes him in the neck. <laughs> he just like does this jam into his neck and the nice. guy swallows his toothpick. Oh, shit. And then they walk over. But I like how, of course you are, dear. Like he calls men dear. Who else can get away with That's that but totally Connery? True. But anyway, total side tangent. That's funny. Zach, what about you, man? Did you already make your announcement? Or your, uh, my, did you say where you could be plugs. found? I'm totally losing oh, uh, my... Oh, uh, no, not yet. Um, I'm on Twitter at Zach for Real. That's R-E-E-L. And uh, I do have an Instagram, but I barely use it. It's uh, Zach underscore with a K. We suck at social media. I just don't care yeah. about other people's pictures, and so I don't know why they'd care about mine. Yeah, yeah I would have said my Twitter, but I forgot I had it. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. My Twitter is measly twitter and, is dead in fact you can find uh, the po the podcast on twitter at so fast podcast and uh we'd like to thank you for uh listening through our seven hour plus commentary of the first film and hope you stick around for uh too fast too furious which we'll get into soon yeah we're gonna have some really awesome guests coming up as well um matt thanks for coming on dude yeah, yes, thanks, thank your you. knowledge time, of this man. of the series is extensive we'd love to have you back on um, sure absolutely we'll you're the talk guy you. that got me interested in the first place checking these movies yeah out. We'll, we'll talk to you about which you know or your favorites and stuff, and mm. we'll make sure to get you slotted in on those. Yeah, I mean, don't don't knock Rob Cohen out for me. Or no, no, no. <laughs> We're gonna bump Cohen. Hey, hey, Rob Cohen's people. We've got a replacement. Thanks a lot. <laughs> That's two weeks in a row with yeah. Matt Keel. Dude, I'm so Matt excited. Cotton. I'm so excited. Rob Cohen's coming in, you guys. That's, That's amazing. Great. I know. I yeah. can't wait. Although yeah. that makes me think now I have to worry about maybe Vin Diesel might hear some of this. Dude, no, Episode you know what? 100. We, well, one of the, one of the things um, 
we love these movies so much, you know, like we make fun of some of the aspects, but like, you know, we, we've mocked, you know, a little bit of, of, of Paul Walker's acting and things like that mm-hmm. in a couple of the episodes, but like, we love these guys. So like, mm-hmm. dude, if yeah, Vin I, Diesel I, wanted to come on, I just would not, I mean, I, I make fun of Vin Diesel. Yeah. I, I, I totally don't mean like wanting to see the, the you're just saying that cause he's well, right no, behind you and he's right behind you. Yeah. He, I, my nostrils sense is going off. <laughs> Vin Diesel's in the building. <laughs> my diesel sense. Yeah. Um, but no, I like I I actually really like pretty much everything he's done. When I yeah, say I want when I say I want to see him teach Judy Dench how to play D and D, I mean oh, that absolutely. like legitimately. I don't yeah, mean yeah, I yeah. want to make fun of him for it. Dude, I if see we that. get him in, if if for some crazy reason we can get him in, get him in, we'll bring in. Awesome. Because so, yeah. I like I, like you said earlier, I love the fact that these movies, like even though they are made by Universal, they they don't feel like big corporate productions they feel yeah. there's a heart to them that like you can tell that vin diesel has fought to keep this series in his control yep. and in the vein that he wants them to be told in and he yep. does the same thing with reddick they're just not as successful movies but like they're so good though i love them they're, oh, they're, anyway. yeah like I, I like what vin diesel wants to do at all times and I've been, i even like the last uh witch hunter yeah like the one about his movie, character I like that, that was like actually that movie. pretty good yeah, yeah. And I've, I've been a fan of his since Multifacial, which I actually have on Short Cinema Journal DVD to this That's day. Awesome. And uh, um, welcome back to Diggin' Diesel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but like, uh, like, it's just, um, I, I think he's an underrated actor. Super and underrated, uh, yeah. And like, well, you know, watching yeah. these movies over and over again, I always think like, I mean, it's not like he hasn't been successful or anything, but it's like, he does a really good job and he holds these movies together. When he has the, the material. Part. I mean, like, not that yeah. he's not great and stuff, but I mean, like, working with a, a great script, definitely, you know, yeah. he can pull it off. So awesome. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye.